Welcome to the Nourished with PCOS podcast. I'm your host, Sam Abbott, registered dietitian nutritionist and PCOS nutrition expert. I'm here to help you learn how to manage PCOS and support your hormones while also having a healthy relationship with food in your body. You can improve PCOS symptoms and labs without dieting. Get ready to feel better with PCOS and leave diet culture in the rearview mirror. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nourish with PCOS podcast. I am your host, Sam. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm so grateful that you're listening. I hope that you're loving the podcast so far. This is my first solo episode, and it's really special because I'm going to be giving you a recap of PCOS Advocacy Day. Advocacy Day is when a group of PCOS advocates go to Capitol Hill. We do this virtually now because of the pandemic, um, and we meet with the offices of our senators and our House representatives to ask them to support PCOS efforts and legislation. And we have an organized list of specific things that we're asking for each year. And last year, we one of the things that we asked for was related to new medication options for PCOS, asking for support for a patient-focused, patient-led um, FDA meeting about drug development. And when and this actually was one of the things that we were able to accomplish last year. And when I shared this on Instagram. You all were really, really interested in learning more about this and about Advocacy Day in general. So I just thought it would be fun to go through the specific things we asked for this year and kind of keep you up to date on advocacy efforts. Um, I know not everyone can participate in Advocacy Day because you do need to take a full day off of work and be available for these meetings. So if you weren't able to participate, now you can kind of hear a little bit about what specifically went on that day. And if you're not familiar with PCOS advocacy at all, then I recommend going back and listening to episode three of the podcast, where I chatted with William Patterson from PCOS Challenge. This is a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to PCOS advocacy efforts. And they are the ones who organize PCOS Advocacy Day each year. So that episode is has been my most popular episode so far of this podcast. I highly recommend going back and listening to it. So Advocacy Day this year was on March 2nd. This was actually my fourth PCOS Advocacy Day. The first year I participated was before the pandemic, or it was actually right as the pandemic was hitting. It was kind of scary to be in D.C. when all of the news and everything was coming out. Um, But at that time, Advocacy Day, it was in person. I had the opportunity to actually go to Capitol Hill and meet with Congress members or their staffers in their offices. It was just a really, really neat experience. And I had actually just exclusively started specializing in PCOS in my nutrition practice. Before that point, I was seeing all different types of clients. And after I started specializing in PCOS, I really felt a higher calling to help my clients in the PCOS community on a much different level. 
So I decided to go to Capitol Hill that day. I did not know a single person. I had not participated in advocacy efforts before. And everyone with with PCOS Challenge was so nice. I also learned so much about PCOS and like updates related to research and newer things that are going on in the PCOS space. I got to meet a lot of physicians associated with PCOS advocacy and physicians who really specialize in PCOS. And advocacy efforts is really at the core of how I stay updated on what's going on in the PCOS research space since I feel like so many things related to PCOS education are really outdated and behind the times. I am so glad I decided to go that year. Um, And it was also my first experience really seeing how intertwined PCOS care is with politics. Like I remember sitting in one of the Congress members' offices talking to their staffer and their staffer really could not have cared less about why we were there. He was looking at a wall the entire time. Later on, I saw that the Congress member did not support anything we asked for when we met with his office. And it has definitely made me want to be more educated and aware of how politics overlaps with PCOS. So that was my first year. And then years two and three of Advocacy Day, I actually had the opportunity to be the team captain. Um, That was also really awesome. And we moved to a virtual event because of the pandemic, which at first I was kind of sad we wouldn't be meeting in person on Capitol Hill because that is such a cool experience. But the plus side of that is that so many more people got to participate because it's a virtual event. For me, I'm not too far from D.C., but I know for a lot of people in different states, that's a long trip to come to D.C. So I'm really glad that this event is more accessible to everyone now. So this past week was my fourth year, and I actually could not be a captain this year because I was on a trip to Nicaragua. I did not get to pick the dates of the trip, and I was gone for the entire week before Advocacy Day which is usually when the team captain is organizing training meetings and checking in with their team before the big day. And I wasn't flying back into the States until the night before advocacy day. I was scheduled to come back really late at night and I was nervous that something was going to happen with my flight coming back into the U.S. I flew into Miami. There's only one flight per day. So I just feel like you never know what's going to happen with flights. So between being gone during trainings, being worried about making it back in time, and I had really bad internet access and Wi-Fi, I opted out of being the team captain that was really hard for me because I have a hard time saying no to things. I'm always worried about disappointing people, but seeing how my trip went, it was definitely the right decision. Uh, But thankfully, I didn't have any flight issues and I was able to make it back home in time for the actual advocacy day. So like I mentioned before, um, When we meet with our representatives, we have an organized list of asks. 
So we're not just going in and being like, I think, you know, Congress should support X, Y, and Z. It's it's really um, efforts that are already put together. And I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer here because everything I'm going to share about the specific ass and how they were organized, this was all put together by PCOS Challenge. So William and Sasha and their team really create all of this. They organize it all. And then the advocates, we just meet with Congress, we make the asks, and then we share a little bit of our personal stories about why this is important or how PCOS has affected us and kind of intertwine our stories when we're making the asks. So I I just wanted to make sure I was making it really clear. I want to give credit where credit is due that this was all organized by PCOS Challenge. And like I mentioned earlier, if you want to hear more about the story behind PCOS Challenge, um, episode three, where I chat with William, really goes through this and their advocacy efforts as a whole. Okay, so let's jump into going through each individual ask. So when we met with our Congress members, these are what we were really asking um, for their support with. Our first ask was to prioritize the FY 2024 Appropriations PCOS Report Language. This sounds super technical. I'm going to try to explain it as someone who doesn't know a ton about government stuff, but there's basically a sum of money that the government can spend on different things each year. And Congress members submit their, it's called appropriations request, where they're basically saying how they want the money spent. So we can submit a letter that our Congress members can sign on to that gives guidance or request on how the government can spend money as it relates to PCOS and PCOS advocacy efforts. So here are some specific things that are kind of bundled into that report language. The report language recognizes the significant health and economic burden of PCOS, and it also asks three federal agencies to address various needs for PCOS. Those three agencies were the NIH, or the National Institute of Health, HHS, which is the Department of Health and Human Services, and then the FDA. So... These are some specific things in the report language. The report language requests that the, sorry, there are a bunch of abbreviations, so I'm going to try to um, explain the organizations to you. The NICHD, which is the Child Health, the National Institute of Child Health and Human Development, um, the NHLBI, which is the Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, And then the NIDDK, which is the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases. So there is a request that those organizations include PCOS in their strategic plans and increase research into cardiometabolic and endocrine comorbidities that impact the health and quality of life of PCOS patients. So it used to be that within the NIH, 
PCOS was categorized as only a reproductive disorder. So when funding and research efforts were kind of being divvied up, all of that, all of what PCOS received was related to fertility and reproduction. And that's why if you're ever looking up PCOS research, a lot of what you'll find is related to fertility. That's also why your doctor may have told you, you know, there's nothing you can do for your PCOS now. Come back when you want to get pregnant. Or if you're not trying to get pregnant, you don't really need to worry a lot about PCOS. It's, it all comes back to how PCOS was categorized within the NIH. One of the things that we asked for on Advocacy Day in the past was for PCOS to be recategorized as a metabolic condition because we know it affects so much of the body, heart health, endocrine health, liver health, sleep, mental health. Um, There's that association with diabetes. And so when we're looking at how research funding is divvied up, really PCOS should be receiving a lot more research funding. So now that it's recategorized, where do we go from here? That's really what this request was all about, um, is really making sure now that PCOS is being recategorized, we want to make sure that it's really getting the attention that it deserves. Another part of the report language urges the HHS, which is the Department of Health and Human Services, to investigate and report on gaps in diagnosis and care for PCOS patients within health systems and with insurers. Research shows us that there is an underdiagnosis of PCOS in health systems and insurers, and it's really important that we have accurate information about, about PCOS. And then the last part of this report language is thanking the FDA for supporting the upcoming externally-led patient-focused drug development meeting on PCOS. Um, That's what I mentioned before. That's what we asked for last year. We were able to accomplish that, so that's awesome. So this year in the report language, we're asking the FDA to support incentives to develop safe and new evidence-based therapies, diagnostics, and technologies that address the identified needs and treatment priorities of PCOS patients. So if you're not um, familiar with any of this The drug development meeting that is going to take place in November is the first drug development meeting that is taking place in over in 90 years related to PCOS. And when you think about how many people are affected by PCOS, it's just it's really wild and disappointing that we haven't had more medication and diagnostic and treatment options. So I'm really glad that this is the first step to that. Okay, so that covers it all for the first ask. That was all related to that appropriations report language. The second ask was to co-sponsor the 2023 PCOS Awareness Month resolution. So with a bill, you have a sponsor. Those are people who introduce the bill And then you have original co-sponsors. Those are people who sign on to the bill before it's actually introduced. So with the PCOS Awareness Month resolution, this designates September as 
PCOS Awareness Month. So if you ever see that online, um, that's a federally recognized month because of PCOS Advocacy Day. This resolution recognizes the critical need for greater awareness around PCOS, increased research, and improved care as well. So if you're interested in who the sponsors are, so who are the people actually introducing the bill, um, that is Elizabeth Warren, Deb Fisher, David Scott from Georgia, and Brian Fitzpatrick. So what we were asking for, you know, is for people to be co-sponsors and to also sign on to this bill. Why is this important? PCOS, we think, is really undiagnosed or underdiagnosed in the healthcare system. We think about 50% of people with PCOS are going undiagnosed. Designating PCOS Awareness Month as a federal event is really important for education opportunities, um, especially for PCOS Challenge. Last year, they did 30 educational events related to PCOS during PCOS Awareness Month. Another thing is that PCOS Challenge is looking into introducing legislation at the state level related to PCOS. So having that federal support is really important. And it's also important just because people with PCOS have really been largely marginalized up until this point. And people with PCOS make up such a large group of constituents. It's really important to recognize their pain and their negative medical experiences so that we can make a change. So that sums up the second ask, co-sponsor the 2023 PCOS Awareness Month resolution. And the final ask, ask number three, was asking our House representatives to join the bipartisan Congressional PCOS Caucus. So this caucus promotes bipartisan legislative and policy solutions that help improve health outcomes for people affected by PCOS. This caucus also works to reduce the economic burden of PCOS and also works to address gaps in PCOS research, education, treatment, and care. I will read off the names of the current co-chairs of the PCOS caucus, just in case they sound familiar or they're in your state. I hope I don't butcher any of these names. So Representative David Scott from Georgia, Representative Brian Fitzpatrick from Pennsylvania, Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz from Florida, Representative Jennifer Gonzalez Colon from Puerto Rico, and Representative Jan Schakowsky from Illinois. So that sums up all of the asks from this year. I know a lot of the focus also with PCOS Challenge in some of the language that is going to be included in some of this is related to insurance coverage, related to PCOS treatments, because right now that's an issue. 
I'm really excited to see, you know, when all of this is officially put into place, who votes to support it. You can go to Congress.gov and actually look up your own um, representatives and senators to see if they voted to support anything. If you're interested in getting involved in PCOS advocacy, there are a lot of other efforts going on this year. Um, I highly recommend following PCOS Challenge on Instagram or going to their website. I know right now they're doing um, some patient surveys related to PCOS experiences. So I'm really, it's really cool to to be a part of PCOS advocacy and see the things that you ask for come to fruition. Um, Something we say a lot in the PCOS advocacy space is no one is coming to save us and Congress is not looking for problems to solve. But it does feel really good to spend this time asking for things and meeting with representatives and really see progress being made. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I definitely will keep you updated on any new advocacy things as they come up. And I hope you have an awesome day. Thanks for listening to the Nourished with PCOS podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe so you can catch new episodes. I'd also be so grateful if you left a review and rating for the pod as well. See you next Wednesday.